Well, good morning. Glad you're here. Years ago, speaking of missions, I was um, supervising, chaperoning a mission trip we were, our church was doing down in Tijuana, Mexico. And what we would do, we would fly from Denver to San Diego, rent a vans, and go across the border for a week. We'd camp Tijuana, and on this particular trip, about day three, one of the vans was overheating. There was a leak, and we're having to put water in there to keep it cool, and the thought of getting back to the border, waiting in line across the border and getting it seemed overwhelming, and we didn't know what we were going to do. But there was a gentleman on the trip who was good with cars. He said, let me take a look, and he, he kind of traced the leak back, and it was back in the van, and there was a line. He said, do you have any tools? We said, we do. He says, I, I think I can work around that. I think I think can re, reroute the tubing, and, and we'll just skip the parts that's leaking, and an hour later... He had done that. And, and our transportation was restored to us. We, we didn't know how it would work, how we'd get there. And, and because this guy, Matt, was with us, our transportation was restored. This Christmas, we're celebrating the fact that Jesus came to us. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. And he did a lot more than restore transportation, he restored love. I want to talk about that today, because I think we define love one way, and, and Jesus sure defines it another way, and we're going to see that real clearly this morning. So as we think about Christmas and God with us, would you, would you turn to Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50, and we're going to wrestle with the question as we go through this text, how does God with us, Jesus, Emmanuel, how does God with us restore love. As you're turning there, know that uh, Jesus in his time on earth had developed some adversaries in the Pharisees, the religious leaders. They were very threatened by him. They had both uh, civil and spiritual authority, and Jesus was drawing crowds. And so one of the Pharisees invites Jesus to dinner. Now, at the time of a meal in, in the Middle East, and particularly in Jesus' day, even today, it's a time of intimacy, it's a time of friends. And so we wonder, what's, what's the motivation? Why does this guy invite Jesus? Uh, Luke, th- uh, verse 36, chapter 7, verse 36, uh, records that. Now, one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him, requesting him being Jesus to dine with him. And we're going to find out this, this Pharisee's name is Simon. So Simon invites Jesus to dinner and says, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. So what's up? What, what's, what's, what's your angle here, Simon? But before we can answer that question, an uninvited guest shows up, an unexpected guest. And here's what it says in verse 37. There was a woman in the city who was a sinner, probably a prostitute. We don't know that, but that's our best guess. But it's a person covered in shame. And when she learned that he, Jesus, was reclining at the Pharisee's table, she brought an alabaster of perfume, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. Why'd she crying? Again, we don't know. I'm speculating. But she's a woman covered in shame. And in this system, you can't get close to a religious person because you're really bad. But she has heard that Jesus is different. And he welcomes sinners. She's desperate. She knows her life's a mess. 
And now there's a religious leader, a holy man a, a, who, who will accept her and not reject her. And so she begins to anoint Jesus' feet and, and um, the Pharisee takes issue with that. Verse 39. Then when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Now, most of the time, if you think things to yourself, you're okay. But this is Jesus. (laughs) He knows what's going on in your heart and in your mind. And Jesus knows what what Simon is thinking. And so he's going to flesh out a conflict here. But, but here's the, the reason there's an issue. In Simon's thinking, you need to be good enough to get close to God. In fact, Simon is a Pharisee. The Pharisees, uh, the best way I can describe it, they, they were good at being good. They had taken the Old Testament and they had added 640 precepts to it. I mean, do you, do you tithe on... On dry weight or wet weight? I mean, they had, they had all these rules down, and, and they followed them. I mean, they were good. And they hung to themselves. They hung with other good people. Depending on how good or bad you were, you, you stayed at a distance. And if you were pretty good, you could be in the front. But if you're in the bad, you're, you're way in the back, and, and you keep a distance. And, and that was their system. You were good enough to get to God. And, and man, if you're a sinner like this woman, you have no business being in a religious man's presence. But Jesus got an issue with that. And rather than argue with Simon, he's going to tell him a little parable, a little story, short one, short one. Here we go. Uh, Verse 40, and Jesus answered him and said, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, say it, teacher. Here's the parable. A money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Okay, so... And in this story, you can see the, the woman's, she's the big debtor. She owes 500 denarii. Maybe it's Simon. He's like 10 times or more better. He's, he's, he's more like the, the 50 denarii debtor. Here's what Jesus says. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Jesus has just flipped the script. All of a sudden... The big debtor is the winner because everybody's been forgiven. No one can make it on their own. And Jesus said, hey, Simon, just, just, just oh, by the way, 550 denarii, they both get forgiven. Who loves more? Simon's not, Simon knows he's had, verse 43. Simon answered, said, might I add grudgingly, I suppose the one he forgave more. And he said to him, ding, 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 you got it on the nose, Simon. You got it correct. In God's kingdom, the big sinner comes out on top in this story. What's Jesus doing with the story? He is blowing up Simon's worldview. He's blowing up. Simon's understanding. He's saying it is not, it is not about your performance. So we're we're, we're dealing with this. How does God with us, Jesus, Emmanuel, how does he restore love? Here's what he 
First thing, love isn't based on performance. Love is not based on performance. And boy, as far as we know, remember, remember in grade school, middle school, high school, we just didn't want friends, did we? We wanted the right friends. I want to be friends with you because you're cool. You, not, not so much because, I mean, you're, you're bad for my image. If we're not careful as parents, man, we want, we love our kids, but boy, if they could, they could, they could make us look good. I mean, if they could be a starter, or they could be first chair, or they could be valedictorian, or whatever. And and this performance-based love is, it's it's, it's measured on performance. Jesus said, no. No, I'm restoring love, and that's not how, I'm the author of love. It starts with me. That ain't how it is. And he'll tell us how it is in just a minute, but he's going to spend just a couple moments showing the hypocrisy of a performance-based love. So here we go. We're going to talk about just between Simon and this sinful woman, who loved more, who loved better. Here we go. Verse 44, turning uh, to the woman, he said to Simon, you see this woman, that's sinful, covered in shame, I entered your house. You, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. That was custom. You'd get a greeting. You'd give a like we'd offer a glass of water or tea. Uh, uh, you, you gave me no kiss. That, 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 was, that was like a handshake. But she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. Uh, you did not anoint my head with oil, again, a custom, but she anointed my feet with perfume. So, I just, who loved better in this little interaction? Who was more welcoming? The righteous Pharisee? Or the sinful, shameful woman. Here's one of the problems with a performance-based love. We get proud. Man, I'm something. You earned my love. And 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 and, and you, you, you're 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 good, so I but 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 you I you're not so good, so I look down my nose at you and 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 and, and, and there's a hypocrisy. Performance-based anything leads to pride. And pride means I don't have to put up with you because you're this, but, but you, you are something, and I, I'm a little insecure around you because it's, it's all based on performance, right? And we're competing, and love is given, and it's earned, and you enter a marriage, you enter a friendship, you enter a business partnership that way, that's a tough way to go. We would expect this Pharisee, because he is so righteous to be loving, but he's not. He's condescending. He's standoffish. Imagine a, a police officer who gets a, a public service award and, and, and he, he gets a front page Lincoln Journal star for, for, for what he's done in the community. Then we find out he gets a ticket for going 75 miles an hour in a residential area. How can you get a public service award and drive 75 miles an hour in a, in a 25 mile an hour zone? Well, there's a di- well that, that's when I have the, the uniform on, but when I'm on my no, no, we, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't stand for that. that. That would be hypocrisy. Well, well this 
Simon is taking that to another level. You're supposed to be representing God. Remember, Jesus, fulfill the law. You know, it's, it's love your neighbor and your, as yourself. Love God, love your neighbor. First two commandments of the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, are about loving God and loving your neighbor. Where are you, Simon? You're proud. You got a whacked out view of love. So it isn't based on performance. Well, what is it about then? Well, here we go. Verse 47. Jesus says, for this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, I mean, Jesus knows, he, he does know, Simon, he knows exactly who she is. Her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much. He who has forgiven little loves little. That's his point. So, 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 so we're clear. He turns to the woman, he said, you, your sins have been forgiven. Ooh, that gets the religious, that gets the Bible police, that gets the scholars going. Here they go, verse 49. They were reclining at the table with him who began to say to themselves, who is this man? Who is this man who even forgives sin? I'll tell you who he is. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. That's who he is. And this is more than than a cute, sweet little birth. This is uh, the Son of God sent yeah, to be born as a baby, to live, and according to the plan of God, to die and rise again. And Jesus says, he said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Saved you from what? Saved you from an eternity separated from God. That's what it saved her from. Faith? Faith in what? Faith that the completed work of Jesus Christ on the cross, who lived a sinless and perfect life and rose from the dead is more than enough to cover your sin. And so, like Jesus did with this woman, he can do with you and me. And if you've never trusted Christ, boy, this might be the time. What a time. Two weeks before Christmas? Three weeks? Celebrate his birth? Get right with God. Not based on your performance, but based and the forgiveness offered in Jesus Christ. So see, we're wrestling with this question, how does God with us restore love? Well, one thing is, love isn't based on performance. Instead, it's freely offered in Jesus. Love is not based on our performance. It's freely offered in Jesus. Because you know what? You're a debtor, and I'm a debtor, and we fall short. He restores love. We, we've perverted it and we've, and we've separated from God. We've walked away from God. We came about our performance and people are accepted and rejected based on the performance. And Jesus said, I, I'm restoring, I, I'm, I'm scrapping that and I'm restoring it. It's freely given. You know, when, when I do a marriage, I, I officiate a marriage, I say, you know, on, on this day, Mr. Groom and Miss Bryan, the, day, the choice you're making is you're going to act in the other person's best interest, whether they deserve it or not. Whether they deserve it or not. Sometimes it gets turned. And we want something from people in our love. Freshman year in high school, I was a pretty good swimmer. I, I set our um, school's record in the 50-yard backstroke. And there was a freshman invitational in December, and I won that in the event. And then January, I went to the freshman invitational in the state of Illinois. I was a freshman in high school in 1975. The meet record was set by a guy in 1968. Four years later, when that guy was a freshman in college, he got a bronze medal in the 100-meter backstroke at the Olympics in Munich, West Germany. 
He was pretty good. He swam in a relay with Mark Spitz and won a gold medal. He was the record holder from 1968 until 1975. The guy who won that event, not me, <laughs> broke his record. I got crushed. I was unbeaten to that point. I got crushed. And I remember finishing, looking at the scoreboard and thinking, oh my word, because they, they list the times. And looked up at my dad, and my dad went, I could tell he was disappointed. I had won everything until I met this guy, and it's kind of like, ooh, <laughs> this is another level of swimmer. I'm good, but I ain't that good. I'll never, if I'm honest, I'll never beat him. <laughs> nobody, nobody did. But remember feeling the disappointment my dad felt. He was imperfect. He's a Christian. He did the best he could, but he didn't understand. He had no comparison for love that was freely given, love that was graciously given. It was earned. He had grown up there. Everything he got, he earned. And so that Four years later, as a college freshman, I met Jesus, and, and I, I began to understand what it is. And I'm growing in that as a husband and a father and friend to love unconditionally. Here's the deal. When you receive forgiveness, and I receive forgiveness, and we understand how much God loves us, it expands our capacity to love. We no longer require of our spouse, of our kids, of our friends, of our co We no longer require. We don't expect. We love unconditionally. It's Christmas. We're two to three weeks out. Could this be a time where more than ever you intentionally in your life step into this unconditional love? You say, Jesus, show me. God with us, show me what that is. Show me what it looks like. That I might know that, that I may bathe in that and then pass it on to people around me. Because see, Christmas, sadly, is a time where we feel the need to perform in the way our house is, the way our gifts are, the way our Christmas tree looks, the way our party is, the way and, and we get far from the one who has restored love. Love started with him. We perverted it when we pushed back from him. Would Christmas be the time we return to Him? And instead of, instead of looking for what can others give us in terms of a gift or affirmation or whatever, can we be people who freely love without expectation or return? Why? Because we know this Jesus. 1985, I had been on staff one year with Campus Crusade, and I, I came up with an old clunker of a car that was dying on me. So I was back in Dallas and I was raising support and I needed a, a newer used car, but I had no credit history and I had a very limited salary. So I went to the dealership. The guy said, yeah, um, you don't qualify for this car. And I had a friend I'd gone to college with, he had been one with Got me involved in Campus Crusade. He had been out a couple years. He was a, a, a marketing rep for IBM. And so he had a 
a good salary, and he said, uh, can I co-sign? The guy said, well, well sure. I, I said, uh, you sure you want to do that, knowing what you do? I mean, you've seen the stats. I mean, it was one of my stories. Ah, yeah, absolutely. Any, I believe in you. I, da, 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 and, and I'm Signing, I think it was fourteen thousand dollars with the car. Well, I, I don't know if I can do that. Sure, you can. I sign here, Andy. You sign there. And he did, and I began to build my credit. And I'll never forget that moment because because that allowed me to get what I needed, but I didn't have the resources. See, you and I want to love supernatural. We want to love the way Jesus loved, but we don't have the resources. And just like I needed a co-signer that time to carry me, Jesus said, I will, I will empower you. I will restore love. I will allow you to love the way I think you really want to love. In a moment, we're going to sing this song. We're going to close all four um, messages this Advent season with this song about God with us. We're celebrating God with us. Would you celebrate that with the heart that, that Jesus has done away with a performance-based love? He's restored love. And he shows us it's freely given in him. Let me pray. And I'll invite the worship team to close us in this uh, song of reflection. So, Lord Jesus, we are grateful for your example. You came. Uh, you loved. Uh, you were our co-signer. You, you loved us unconditionally. You empower us. Uh, you remind us with this sinner that, that no one is beyond your grace. Your, your, your love is deeper than, than, than our deepest sin. And many in the world, many in the world system may say, yeah, you don't measure up, but you say, yeah, you, you do in my world. Uh, you're worth dying for. Emmanuel, God with us. Lord, I pray we wouldn't miss that in the hustle and bustle and demands of Christmas. I pray we'd step into the love that you so freely give and, and you so freely empower us to love. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.